Hello, everybody, and welcome to Here's What I'm Seeing, conversations from the front lines of life and leadership. My name is Adam Tarno, and I'm here today with Cynthia Culver and Jeff Straza. Guys, how are we doing today? Good morning. Doing good. 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 We're here. Okay, so we are recording this here in the beginning of March, and it is, or it was, about a year ago when the country started to take drastic measures to, do you guys remember what the phrase was, what we were trying to do a year ago? Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. Yep. That's right. That's what we were doing. And so everybody was on board. We were all going to do what we could to, to flatten the curve. Maybe not everybody was on board, but we at least we're all going to say- A few right, of us were cu- you know, kicking yeah. and screaming. That's right. right. We're going to do what we can to flatten the curve. And so for most of our listeners, for most office-based workers, they were all sent home. It's hard to believe it was a year ago when we started doing that. Everybody's life changed. Uh, the office life changed. Work life changed. So now you fast forward about a year, and I'm just going to read you guys four headlines that I've read recently. So this one was from the New York Times. Companies put return to work plans in motion. Uh, This was on LinkedIn. Wall Street confronts office glut. It was talking about uh, Wall Street and lower Manhattan and how many uh, those who are leasing office space, how many of them are looking to sublease it because maybe they're not going to come back. So there's all this office space down there. That's what that article was about. Here's one from Harvard Business Review. It said, a CEO's guide to planning a return to the office. And then another one on LinkedIn talked about how Zoom towns are reshaping the nation. And so there are certain towns like Tulsa and Fayetteville, um, Denver, some of these other fun cities that are noticing, well, if it doesn't matter, if I go to the office, then I'm going to work somewhere cool, right? Like somewhere where then when I do go out, Cynthia, to walk the dog, it actually looks pretty. It's not a concrete jungle or anything like that. (laughs) So here's the bottom line. And this is where we're going to go with this conversation here today. Uh, this is a thing. Organizations are starting to think about coming back. All right. So there's going to, this is now a conversation that's happening a year ago. You couldn't ignore the headlines about COVID-19. Now you can't ignore these headlines. People are starting to have this conversation and, uh, and we thought it'd be good for us to to talk about that. So, um, we're going to talk today about work life 3.0. And, uh, so Jeff, why don't we really quick, can you just, this is totally a term that we made up work life 3.0. Which we get to do that. On we get to show. do that because it's our podcast, right? right? So we get to make it up. So why don't you just summarize when we say, uh, 3.0, what do we mean? So why don't you start real quickly? What is, what was work life 1.0? What was 2.0? And what do we think is going to be now 3.0? Well, the way we're going to frame this up is 1.0 is the very, very slow progression from the industrial age to the digital age and traditional work life in the office, right? And there may be some slow progression of people working from home, particularly in the tech industries and media and those kinds of of jobs. But when the pandemic hit, everybody was forced to go and work from home. We would probably call that 2.0. We've muddled through that for now just over a year. And we've had all kinds of stories, good and bad, some positives and some negatives that have been happening in 2.0. But now we want to talk about what's it going to look like when we slowly go back to the office. That's right. Yeah. So this is now we're all facing this this work life or this office life 3.0. And so what we want to do today is we just want to we just want to share three thoughts, three ideas to consider, things that we're thinking about. And so just some qualifiers on this. Uh, the three of us, we're not researchers. Uh, we are not uh, systematically studying this subject right now, but we here, here's what we're doing. We are on the front lines of life and leadership as we talk about in our intro. Uh, we're just like all of our listeners in that standpoint that we're right out there on the front lines. And so these are just things that we're thinking about and that we're finding helpful as we help our clients navigate back into Work Life 3.0, as we think about it for ourselves personally. 
And, uh, and so that's what we want to do is share three thoughts. We do think it's good to probably put one qualifier out there and that's that we live in Texas, right? And I <laughs> yes, don't, we I don't do. know if anybody has <laughs> ever... The Republic of Texas. The Republic of Texas. And so uh, just yesterday when we were recording this, our mask mandate is gone and all businesses can be at 100%. The Texas Rangers have, have already announced that for opening day, 100% capacity. They are the first sports team. Wow. Uh, I believe in the world, and I might be wrong on that, but definitely in the United States, the first major sports franchise that said there will be a game at 100% capacity. So we put that qualifier out there not to make our non-Texas listeners jealous, right, that they don't live here in Texas, but just some of our ideas might be a little skewed because of That's where we right. live. That's and we true. know that, that different states have different things that are going on. So, okay, let's talk through three ideas to consider. So Jeff, I'll kick you, uh, kick it over to you on this first one. And the first idea is this, that bounded optimism is probably the right tone as we think about Worklife 3.0. So why don't we talk about where did that phrase bounded optimism come from and why is that probably the right tone right now? This comes from an article I read out of McKinsey, and they had some really good research they pulled together over the course of the calendar year of 2020. And they were talking about, hey, what do we need to be prepared for as we begin to go back to the office? And they framed this term bounded optimism to mean that leaders need to be grounded in reality. Hey, we're not sure about this policy. We're still working on it. We're phasing things in. But also positive. Yeah. You know, they need to help re-energize the workforce. And so this balance of being realistic, but also being positive at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good phrase. What was the joke you had made though when you first read bound, "Bounded Optimism"? You said it sounded like, uh, like constrained hopelessness. Constrained or... hope. I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's not very, you know, no. inspiring, is yeah. it? It's like a chill out, right? Yeah. It's like when I tell my kids we might go. Uh, get ice cream or something. It's like, you need some bounded optimism right now. Cause I said, might, it doesn't we think mean that things are going to be okay. Yeah. But we don't know. Right. And so it's not that it's not that. So it's, it's recognizing reality that things are hard. Um, there still is, are some questions about what may or may be wise or safe, Yeah, but things are going to be okay. We're going to move forward. Right. right. Yeah. It's really a good place to kind of fall in the continuum of not being you know, overly optimistic and everything's going to be fine and let's go and get everybody back. Also someone who's doom and gloom and right. And, right? So it's, it's, it's really the middle ground. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say part of, I feel like a leader's responsibility is to be optimistic. Yeah. Uh, not on either end of the spectrum, not the doom and gloom and not the overly, you know, cheerleader. But I do think that's part of leadership is you're responsible for setting the tone and the vision of the company. Yep. And you've got to have, if you're a doom and gloom kind of guy or woman, great, but you've got to, you've got to bring that back toward the middle and look for the opportunity and the positivity. Yeah. I, I would think as a leader, that is one of the more difficult challenges is in the midst of something where there's either confusion or there's questions about where the future is going to go and you're not certain if it's going to be good or you know or going to be bad or is it going to be bad just for a little bit of time and then it's going to be better to to find things to be optimistic about for me personally is is a real challenge how do you guys handle that it's hard to be optimistic when you don't feel like it right yeah. and and i think we we talked about on some of the uh, of our other episodes about sometimes you have to pull from your value set, you have to live it out, even if you don't feel like it emotionally. And that's what we're talking about here. Leaders coming back and leading their teams into this new 3.0 reality, whatever it looks like, and and having some sense of optimism about yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, how about you, Cynthia? Well, I think it's more my natural. So yeah. I think I'm a seven on the Enneagram, which is kind of the optimist. But part of that is rooted in, I like things to be happy. I don't really want to watch sad movies right. and horror movies and all that. So I have to I have to make sure that I'm realistic. Like, yep. hey, 
you know, this, that's, that's great that you think things are going to be great, but at the same time, let's bring in the, the logic and that kind of thing too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really good. And so, uh, yeah, so this bounded optimism as you are coming back or as you are starting to talk about work life 3.0, we're finding that to be really helpful. And Jeff, I know you're, you're trying to help your clients, uh, really think about what to listen for as people are processing coming back. So why don't you talk about a few of those things? I think one of the key things that leaders need to listen for is exhaustion. Yeah. You know, Zoom fatigue or whatever you want to call it, it, and look for signs of exhaustion, acknowledge it, and continue to use empathy, great listening skills. Again, not you're not a therapist there, but leaders are coaches. Yeah. And they're acknowledging the difficulty and the complexity of, of this transitioning from 2.0 to 3.0, whenever that is in the near future. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so th- that's, you know, the first idea that's been helpful for us as we're thinking about Work Life 3.0 is this bounded optimism that we are grounded in reality. There still is a long road ahead of us. Uh, the economy in certain areas and certain sectors may take more time than others to come back. Uh, there's still going to be some uh, things that are going to be tense or uncomfortable as we're starting to come back, but there is a bright tomorrow that we're going to go towards as well. And so that tone uh, we're finding to be helpful, and and hopefully some other leaders out there will find that helpful. So our second idea is this, and this is one that's really hitting me lately, and I'm going to say it, and then I have to qualify it. And I think the second idea is learn to dance. And and I don't mean that literally. Like, I'm not taking Zoom... Uh, dance lessons, ballroom dancing lessons. You mean lessons. Zumba? Yeah, yeah that's right. what I thought he was saying. I was like, he's got his terms confused. Good. That was a layup there. <laughs> I need feedback from our listeners on how bad that dad joke okay, was that right was, there. That was so a dad I joke. like that. No, Zumba. No, we're not doing any of that kind of stuff. Uh, so here's what I mean by learn to dance. So I have just read, just completed uh, probably about a week ago, Adam Grant's new book, Think Again. I cannot recommend it uh, uh, highly enough. And it is such a timely message for everything that we're going through right now. But he had a chapter in that book, or a couple chapters really, where he was citing some studies of what world-class negotiators do, okay? And, and what are some of the behaviors that they exhibit? And it's very, very different than what we may think. It's not the quintessential car salesman that is trying to manipulate, uh, you know, maybe manipulate you into making a decision. A really good negotiator is a master at persuasion, and they understand people. And uh, a lot of times the tactics that they're using are not uh, malintent at all. You know, they're just very, very good communication tactics. And so one of the things that a, a skilled negotiator does is this, is that they acknowledge complexity, nuance, and detail when they're presenting their argument, all right? So uh, what sounds to me a little counterintuitive, because what they're basically saying is, and he shared some examples in his book about uh, whenever you're talking about a topic, uh, just to say, hey, this is a complex topic, There are a lot of varying opinions here. There's a lot of detail that I really don't even know. There's some nuance here that I'm sure I'm missing, okay? Just those little qualifiers. But here's some things that I'm finding helpful, which to me, and even before we hit record, we were talking about this as leaders, that maybe under Work Life 2.0 or 1.0, if a leader would say something like that, the audience or person listening may go, this person does not have a yeah, clue. It's a credibility issue yeah. right there, right? And the studies are showing that that is not right, right? That, that when you can acknowledge that there's complexity, nuance, and detail on the subject matter being discussed right now, it doesn't drive people away and cause them to shut you down or not listen to you. It does the exact opposite. It causes them to lean in and go, all right, well, what do you, how are you handling this? What do you have to think about this? So he, and so that's where he called it this learning not how to, uh, learning how to dance, not fight. When it comes to trying to have these conversations, which I think is so relevant for those trying to navigate 3.0 right now, because 
the temptation for a leader that has been brought up under 1.0 or 2.0 would be, I think could be, here's my argument, here's what we're doing, and you just have to stick with it, and I'm, I'm going to win. Well, and when you do that, you're acknowledging what everyone that's sitting around the boardroom table is thinking. Yes. They're all having those thoughts, and by just saying those three simple things, you're, you're, you have just removed the barrier that's going on in their mind. It draws and so people now they can in. listen yeah. to you. You know, absolutely, Great. it draws people into a shared yep. journey. I think that that's what you're saying here. Yeah. And in you know, in 2.0, when employees' vo- voices were heard. Their own safety, their own health, their own well-being. A lot of people raised their courage over the last year, yeah. saying what they really needed and wanted. And I think leaders can now keep the momentum going and and say, "Come on, the journey with me. Let's figure this out." Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, if I can just brag on uh, my church, uh, where and I know the three of us we all go to the same church. And so uh, this Sunday, this past Sunday, was sitting in church and it was announcements. And so the governor had just made some some announcements that we've been alluding to here about masks and. Uh, 100% capacity. And so that obviously impacted our, our local church that we're a part of. And so the uh, gentleman was on the stage giving announcements, talking about this. And uh, I thought he played this perfectly, mm-hmm. this acknowledging complexity, nuance, and detail. And this gentleman was starting to go, you know, talk about, uh, so there's going to be some changes. And I just want to show you something. And they put one slide up there. And it just said, this is a summary of some of the feedback that we've been getting from people. This is these are quotes from some emails basically. And I'm telling you uh, it could not have been more different. You know, it was it was all sides of the spectrum. It was somebody going, "We should never meet again. Uh, church at home is better." To I've lost uh, family members, why would you ever think about gathering again? To people saying, uh, "This whole thing is a conspiracy and and a complete joke and I can't believe that we haven't uh, that we've been requiring people to wear masks. I mean, it was it was everything. This, the whole spectrum. The whole spectrum. The entire spectrum. And, you know, and so he put it up there and we're all looking at it going, oh yeah, that's really hard. Yeah. If you're that leader reading all of those emails and you want to please people, not in a bad way, but you'd like to try to bring about some harmony and you want to make the right decision, it's a lose-lose for many right now. And uh, and so just that learning to dance and what, what they did by just going, this is the feedback we're getting, almost like, what would you do? You know, yeah. and they just, right. they were, it was a church. And so they just said, pray for us. We're trying to make the right decision. And um, we're trying to weigh all of this. And we just know it's going to be impossible to please everybody. And it, it uh, I was for them yeah. when I saw that. Well, and I was just thinking about the the response that I had internally was where I could be like, here's my opinion, here's what I want, you know, blah blah blah, and be critical. It gave me compassion. Yeah. And I thought, whatever decision they make, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. And it gave me compassion for them. Yeah. It, it, that's a great attitude for all the leaders out there. You know, the the school boards and the local government officials and the state level and national level and. I mean, most people really are just trying to do the best they can with right. really, really difficult circumstances. Well, education administrators have just taken a beating. I yep. mean, imagine being in that role. Mm. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. And I t- I get, what you're describing here, uh, Cynthia, is when that leader was was saying, hey, these are all the things we've had to deal with. You know, pray for us. Think, you know, help us think through this. It, I, I felt more compassion, yeah. you know, yeah. because yeah. there was some vulnerability there. Yeah. yeah. And so what I liked about the way they did that is I thought it was a, a good example of what Adam Grant's research is pointing to, which is acknowledge the complexity, the nuance, and the detail. And uh, don't go up there with, here's the five reasons why we're right. And, right. Um, and that usually will get some people to lean in. And maybe they don't agree, 
but just that venom may go down and they no longer feel like it's a fight. Now it's a conversation. So I'm sure everybody was represented in one of those quotes and everybody could at least go, well, yeah, that they've heard, they've heard from me. You know, that's my thought. That's the one I identify with. I identify with that quote right there. So just as leaders, uh, this bounded optimism is going to be helpful as we move into 3.0, learning how to dance, acknowledging complexity, nuance, detail, that's going to be helpful and and has been helpful for us as we're thinking about this. So our third idea is this, is that office-based leaders need to learn the art of the compromise. What great training this is for leaders right now, what this pandemic has done. Uh, I, I think this has been better than any podcast book, seminar, anything like that. This has just been phenomenal training for leaders. And I think for the the work-life leader, the office-life leader that has been so used to making decisions that are just bottom line or strategic, and most everybody agrees with it, or people that don't really don't have much to say, that uh, that was not really a view of reality out there. I mean, sometimes the decisions you make are going to impact people's lives, and you need to learn how to make those hard decisions as well. And you need to learn that you can't get your way all the time, right? It's not just you're the highest paid person in the room, and so you get to decide what everybody's going to do. There is some compromise here to to make things move forward and bring people together, and I think that's helpful. Well, and I was going to say some of the things I've seen are people... You're right. It's no longer about revenue, though that is part of the puzzle, of course. Um, It is more about people and you're making decisions that affect their life and their family. I mean, not just their life, their family. And that's where a lot of the passion, I think, comes from. And so the leaders that I've seen doing this are really slowing down. Mm. And they're not just knee-jerk, hey, we need everyone back in the office. It's, hey, we're going to um, we're going to make this a progression. Uh, we're still considering this. We're thinking about what's best for you. We haven't decided yet, but here's kind of an interim thing. And so I feel like they're slowing down. They're listening to their people, yep. and they're factoring those things in. And I, I said this before we started, but just uh, I, the idea of compromise for me has really changed over the last couple of years and realizing that that it is when you give up something yeah. that you want and then someone else gives up something they want. And, and that's a whole different... Yeah. And you learned that from a television show, I right? I did, Madam Secretary. <laughs> finished that one. And, but it really, it really struck me because the whole idea of it was you, know, you give up something you want, they give up for the greater good. Yep. And that's not really how we're inherently trained to think. I want to think about the greater good. That is actually what leadership is. Leadership is thinking about the organization. It's thinking about the stockholder. It's thinking that far out, not, hey, what do I want? Yeah. And so if there is a leader right now that is trying to navigate Work Life 3.0 for their organization, and they feel insecure, like, I'm not getting my way. I don't know if I'm doing what's best. I feel like I'm giving up too much and would cause them to maybe feel like they're being a bit of an imposter or they're not leading the right way. We want to encourage you. No, you're probably doing it the right way because these are not just strategic decisions and bottom line decisions. These are life decisions. And in these big life decisions, uh, you're probably not always going to get your way. Uh, You're probably not always going to get full harmony where everybody's going to agree with it. That's good for you. That's good for you. That's Learn right. how to lead in the midst of all of this complexity and and understand that compromise at times is the name of the game. Now, you all, through your values, have to determine how far you're willing to go and compromise. So in no way are we just saying, 
you have to compromise your values, but this is this is some of the training and, and where we're all going to get better going through this right now. So those are just three thoughts that we hope are helpful. The bounded optimism, that's probably the right tone. That's one we're finding helpful right now. We're finding it helpful to learn how to acknowledge complexity, nuance, detail, just learning how to dance as we're making these decisions. And we're finding it helpful to learn the art of the compromise and understand we're not always going to get our way. And uh, and this is a new aspect of leadership that is, that is good for all of us. And so hopefully that'll help some of our other leaders that are navigating this 3.0 right now. So uh, guys, Jeff, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, I would just encourage leaders to try to get things done in small incremental ways through influence and collaboration and listening. I know we've talked about some of those attributes before in some of these shows, but you know, sometimes under stress, leaders can they can default to power or title or bottom line or job description. A lot of these kinds of things in the future aren't on your job description. Yeah. Cynthia, do you have any final comments? Yeah, I was just, I was thinking back about the the um, optimistic or the optimism piece. And, and one of the thoughts that came to mind was just the idea of looking, if you're not naturally optimistic, looking for the situation and looking for what is this, op- what's the opportunity here? Yeah. And that kind of helps you shift and get around the other side yep. of the of the situation to see it from a different perspective. Uh, that's good. I'm really looking forward to Work-Life 3.0 personally. I mean, I, I think on that introvert, extrovert spectrum for me personally, I like having some alone time and I like having some flexibility to maybe be able to work somewhere from home or where it's quiet. Uh, but then I also love collaboration and I know yes. the best ideas have happen, not when I'm in isolation, but with others. And so the freedom to be able to do that and not have anybody look at you weird if you go, today I'm going to work from home or I'm going to work remotely today. And people go, what are you really doing? <laughs> you're no, not I, working from home. I, I like that freedom. Are you watching Madam Secretary? <laughs> That's right. I'm going to go watch that whole thing and learn how to compromise <laughs> so with all that. So I'm looking forward to it and I hope our leaders are looking forward to it as well and hope you guys found this conversation helpful today, guys. It was great to be with you. Yep. Love it. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Here's What I'm Seeing. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. And if you haven't done so already, please go over to adamtarno.com. Hit that free ideas button right up there in the top right-hand corner. Once a week, I send out an email filled with ideas to help you be a more engaging leader. As always, today's episode was mixed and edited by the amazing team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all for today's episode. We'll talk to you again next time. 